Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary and Community Service radio show, which is now in its 14th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8 p.m. on Community Radio Station 94.1 FM 3WBC and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a podcast of a recorded interview by Ian Salick with Emma Collin, CEO of Parkinson's Victoria, first played on Jonathan Shepherd's show on the 28th of February 2020. Emma talks about the wonderful services provided by Parkinson's Victoria to assist those with the Parkinson's condition. This is 94.1 FM 3WBC, the voice of the Inner East, and you're listening to the Rotary End Community Service Radio Show. I'm Ian Salick, and it's a great pleasure this evening to welcome to the 94.1 FM 3WBC microphone, Emma Collin. Emma is the Chief Executive Officer of Parkinson's Victoria. Now, I first met Emma when she visited and spoke so knowledgeably to the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry in October last year, and her very insightful presentations about the Parkinson's condition informed Rotarians about the symptoms and measures taken to alleviate Parkinson's, a most debilitating human condition. The Rotary Club of Clen Ferry has long been a supporter of Parkinson's Victoria and its work, and tonight I thought it'd be very worthwhile that Emma Collin tells a wider audience on 94.1 FM, 3WBC, about what Parkinson's is and what Parkinson's Victoria is doing to help those with Parkinson's. Emma, a very warm welcome to the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show. Many thanks, Ian, for the kind invitation to be here tonight. Well, it's, it's, I'm delighted to have you because you spoke so very well and authoritatively uh, at the Glen Ferry presentation. It's well worthwhile getting you back to talk to us and uh, it's great to have you here. Now, Emma, before we talk about Parkinson's Victoria uh, and your role as CEO, let's find out a little about you, which I like to do with all my guests. So where were you born in Victoria and, and did you go to school here? Yes and yes, Ian. I, I was certainly born here in Victoria. I grew up in Lower Templestowe. Right, lovely area. And uh, and I went to school in Eltham at Catholic Ladies College out there. So oh, how, how wonderful. It's such a green area and it's still green, I know, when you go out there. It is You indeed. still feel as though you're, well, not quite semi-rural, but you feel a little rural, don't you, when you go out there? I think so. I mean, I didn't grow up in Eltham, but I certainly went to school there and, and it certainly did have, a, you know, a beautiful feel about it in terms it, of being very does. close to, yes. I guess it was on the fringe then. Um, it was some years ago now, but it was certainly very green then and it's still very green now. Which is great. I know the suburbs are probably caught up with that area, but still it's got that feel about it, hasn't it? Uh, before joining Parkinson's Victoria, what, what roles did you have? What were you doing before you arrived at Parkinson's? Look, I've been in, in the community services area with a focus on probably social justice for quite a number of years now. Um, and prior to being with Parkinson's Victoria, I was with Carers Victoria and uh, where I was executive manager of uh, strategy, policy, marketing and education. So I led that sort of area for about five years, very much focused on uh, policy and uh, systemic change in, 
in government legislation and improving the quality of life of carers in Victoria. So, uh, and prior to that, I was a director of community services at the city of Melton. So I've worked in the community services and in with engagement with the community for about 17 years now. So You have, mm. and also working, as you've just indicated, closely with the government. Yes. Did absolutely. the government listen to what you were saying, Emma? Oh, I think they listened to the community, uh, Ian. Uh, you certainly can be a, um, a spokesperson, but I, what I have found is that if you're going to do advocacy with government, you bring the community with you. Yes, and that's that the most the, effective way to do... I, I would understand that puts the political <laughs> pressure on. That's right. They're, they're beholden to the community, and if you represent them well and eloquently, mm. uh, they better take notice. Absolutely. Now, before seeking the role here at Parkinson's mm. Victoria, uh, were you aware of what Parkinson's was? I was, Ian. Um, uh, in about 2002, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Right. And in about the same year, my father was uh, diagnosed with motor neurons. And I had grown up with a sister who'd been diagnosed with MS in her 20s. So I was very familiar with progressive neurological conditions before I started with Parkinson's Victoria. But the thing that stood out for me, Ian, and the reason why I'm such a strong advocate in this space, is because I see the people with living with Parkinson's probably the most vulnerable. And uh, I certainly didn't see uh, the services and supports for people with Parkinson's that I saw probably with multiple sclerosis or MND in the community. So um, I am you know, a very strong advocate in this space because of, I guess, that experience. You would say in normal circumstances, what a wonderful background, but that's hardly a, an auspicious background, is it, to have that so close your family? It, it isn't, but uh, I guess our personal experience is what can add another layer or lens to our work. You know, and I shape certainly, your passion. Yes, and I certainly had already had a focus on this space before I, I had joined the Parkinson's community in terms of looking at social justice and looking at how vulnerable people in the community could be supported. Um, but it certainly, you know, is about pursuing passion too passion, you know, the passion for the cause. Well, it's a wonderful thing to do because it's so contributory to life in the community. A lot of people have a job, come in and go home and earn money from it, but doing something as meaningful as you're doing. When did you become CEO of Parkinson's? I've been CEO of Parkinson's Victoria for uh, six years now. So back in 2013, so nearly seven years, um, I joined Parkinson's Victoria and, uh, and it's been an absolute privilege to serve the community and I know that there's a lot more I need to do for them. I'm sure you are doing it and doing it very well, but tell us please, what is Parkinson's for those of our listeners who haven't been as close to it as you have? What is it? So, you know, and, and it's, I'm, I'm not a clinic, clinical professional, so I have no clinical background in, so I try and keep things in very simple terms when it comes to talking about condition. So Parkinson's is a progressive neurological condition. It's degenerative, so it's going to um, uh, uh, progress over a period of time and there's going to be degeneration of the condition over time and its impact on you. So um, it is certainly um, uh, the reduction of dopamine in the brain. That's, that's what happens um, chemically with um, Parkinson's. And as a result of the reduction of dopamine in the brain, the, the, the smoothness of movement is affected. And so it's, it's commonly known as a movement disorder. And as that movement um, 
uh, is impacted. So it, dopamine actually makes that movement happen quite smoothly. And as you reduce the dopamine in the brain, that movement doesn't happen as smoothly as anymore. And as that progresses, dopamine reduces and the movement becomes more and more difficult. But you know, it extends well beyond that because movement it makes it um, appear like a movement, only movement disorder, but it is far more than that because there's a lot of non-motor symptoms as well. How do you get it? Is it passed down from another generation or is it just random in terms of it, who, who it affects? Excellent question, Ian, um, because most people, you know, that's one of the first questions members of the community, you know, have I inherited this? Is it genetic? So uh, we don't know what causes Parkinson's. It's called idiopathic Parkinson's. We, we don't know what the cause is, but certainly we would say that there are both environmental and genetic factors which would probably lead to why you have that condition. So uh, uh, we're not sure what that would look like, but in simple terms, it's saying that you must have some sort of genetic possible susceptibility, yes, plus environmental factors, which would be contributing to the reason why, but but we're not, not, we don't know what the cause is. What are the first signs of Parkinson's? Excellent question too. <laughs> um, I would say it, they're going to differ from individual to individual. And um, uh, my learned colleagues in the office who are clinicians in this space would talk about some of the early symptoms that may present, um, uh, uh, maybe a tremor, um, problems with movement and gait, um, stiffness of movement. Um, however, what we do know now is that some of the early, really early signs which people may not know about are uh, reduction in uh, the sense of smell. So you may lose a sense of smell early in, in, um, uh, in the condition. You might have REM sleep disorder, so you may have sleep um, problems and you may be suffering from gut problems and, and uh, constipation. So some of those may be even earlier signs than the motor symptoms that regularly present. Well, that's a very wide range of factors. So it, it becomes more difficult, doesn't it, to hone in and try and tackle a cause, doesn't it, when it's so, so wide, some of those symptoms are so wide. Uh, are, are, there, are there different forms of Parkinson's? Well, there's certainly um, Parkinsonisms, so that's the, the larger group of movement what was that disorders. Again? Parkinsonisms. So Parkinsonism, right? Yes. So yeah. there'd be a larger group of Parkinsonisms, which would pick up uh, a variety of movement disorders that have some sort of relationship, but they're not Parkinsons. Yes. So they're progressive supranuclear palsy, multiple system atrophy, corticobasal syndrome. You better and explain that to our listeners. So, so they they so are rarer. They are rarer conditions. They um, they have a lot of um, similarities in terms of presentation of some of the initial um, symptoms, such as Parkinson's, like a, a tremor or stiffness of movement. But they are not the same. Um, they're still a movement disorder and they're still related, but they are different conditions. So there are different types of Parkinson's. Absolutely. Uh, Parkinsonisms and sometimes people will be diagnosed with Parkinson's and then re-diagnosed with one of these other conditions. They are very different trajectory so what happens with those conditions is very different but Parkinson's Victoria look after all of those conditions and all the people who are impacted by them. And when you look up Parkinson's online Emma mm. they talk about five stages of Parkinson's. Mm. What, what, are, what are they? Okay, so it's a very cl it's a clinical scale, and they are looking at mild, moderate, progressed, um, 
advancing and advanced Parkinson's. So it's really a clinical scale used to look at uh, uh, for a patient to be perhaps referred from clinician to clinician to say this is the stage that we've assessed somebody to be at in terms of the progression of their condition because it is a progressive illness. Um, and what that will do is it will help tailor, I guess, the response or assist the response in terms of clinical response for that individual. So that's why we have that, that scale. As I said, most people are not going to know the difference between one scale and next. Only the clinician will really know and it'll be assessed on movement, you know, advancement of, of condition and, and how advanced that condition is. Do you find that people delay their search for help they don't recognise some of these signs because they're, they're fairly um, small indicators at the start and they wait? Or do you find people presenting for help uh, fairly soon in the whole? I think things have changed over time. Um, even in the years that I've been with Parkinson's Victoria, um, you know, when I first started, a lot of people would say to me, it took me two years to get a diagnosis. I, I had these symptoms and people just couldn't piece together what was happening. And I seem to have more an indication now that people are getting on the path of finding, getting a diagnosis. Earlier. Earlier, because people have a greater awareness of condition. Yes. And as a result, their pursuit of understanding of what they can do actively to support themselves with their condition is, is probably better. So, um, it's, and it's gonna depend on the individual. It's such an individualized condition, Ian. I don't think any two people are going to have the same Parkinson's, which means no two people are going to have the same circumstances with their Parkinson's or the same response. Are there expert clinicians throughout Australia or do you find it's only mainly in the capital cities? I, I would certainly say um, um, it's going to vary from state to state. Um, certainly in the state of Victoria, there are clinicians here. A lot of the clinicians or movement disorder specialists may be located in Melbourne and we certainly would like to see Build, build the capacity of, of movement disorder specialists, particularly in rural and regional Victoria, where people have um, greater distances to travel to see a specialist or see somebody who is trained um, in movement disorder or Parkinson's. And are those people that are operating attached to hospitals in regional areas now? That's is that usually what happens or are they independent? Uh, clinicians working so, outside the hospital system? So we at Parkinson's Victoria certainly train um, a lot of the clinical services located in community health and they may be connected to a hospital so acute services or they may be more regional type health service um, and they're not they're not actually um, pr providing a, a hospital care um, but we're there to, to build the capacity of those clinical professionals to actually respond to Parkinson's which is a, a pretty key part of what we do as an organisation. Um, it, people certainly can come to us for advice too, but we would prefer to train the professionals that they are accessing daily. This not, might not be the, the nicest question, mm. but I want to ask it. How long can a person live with Parkinson's? Actually, I think that's a really important question to be asking because, you know, if you're, if you're on Dr. Google, you may find that the, you know, the average life expectancy for somebody with Parkinson's is 12 years or something along those lines. I would be saying, um, Ian, and to clarify it, that you know, 60, 60, at, si at age 60, 80% of people are diagnosed with Parkinson's or, or later, which means that other comorbidities affecting ageing 
are also affecting that life expectancy. Of course, of course. So I know so many people within our community who are living 20, 30 years with Parkinson's. So the, the life expectancy is certainly impacted by the fact that it is, it is a, a, a condition that does impact um, people when they're ageing but also people when they're very young. But those that are ageing probably impact the life expectancy. Emma, what research is being done now? Uh, you know, mainly, you know, by whom? Are we, are we any closer to a cure for Parkinson's or is it not that simple? It's not that simple. Um, and when I ask the professionals who've been in this space a lot longer than me, and I'm not a clinical professional, but when I ask the clinical professionals and even the researchers in this space, they would all agree that people living with Parkinson's 20 years ago uh, are nowhere near living the quality of life that people are now with Parkinson's and that's as a result of research and what we've seen in that time is better application of medication, be better application of other therapies and people being able to access better treatment and care which has improved their quality of life and that's due to research. But the research for Parkinson's is certainly a global effort and I think that's where you know, Australia plays a part in that global effort and every piece of research, whether it be directly to impact um, the understanding of Parkinson's, um, the pursuit of a cure, therapies or treatment, all of them are relevant and all of them are being worked on around the world. Are there multi-organisations here in Victoria doing that or are there one or two sort of lead organisations that are researching? No, I would say that there's, you know, that there's many organisations, um, institutes, in institutions or universities who have active research in this space in all sorts of areas. So um, we certainly are very lucky here in, in Australia and in Melbourne in particular to be supporting research across the board. Well, this is probably a political question. Does it need to be more cohesive with those bodies or are they working uh, not in elliptical orbits, but they're working there by is, themselves. There is an awful lot of collaboration, not only between That's those universities, but universities around the world. And what we do find is that many of the universities here specialise in a particular area and that, that they will be specialising in that area and working with their overseas counterparts. So that if there's a local, if there's a local um, uh, collaboration, they'll certainly um, leverage off that. And many of the applications we support for research funding are between several universities, not only in Melbourne, but throughout Australia, who are working together, but they're also working overseas with their counterparts as well. Now that's good to hear, yeah. because the result is likely to come faster if we have that collaboration, as you so correctly call it. Well, Emma, uh, thank you. I want to take a little break here, if we may, and uh, we're going to play some music. We might ask you for your favourite songs, and we might get those played in this break. <laughs> uh, and when we come back, I'd like to uh, talk to you uh, about what specifically Parkinson's Victoria is doing to help those suffer from uh, what is a very insidious condition. Thank you. Welcome back. This is 94.1 FM, 3WBC, the voice of the Inner East. And I'm Ian Salek, and we're back talking with Emma Collin. Emma is the Chief Executive Officer of a wonderful organisation, Parkinson's Victoria. Now, Emma, before the break, uh, uh, you were explaining to our listeners what Parkinson's is. What does your organisation, of which you're head, CEO, what does it do in relation to Parkinson's? And we're here to help. So Parkinson's Victoria is here to help people living with Parkinson's, their families, healthcare professionals, and even the broader community. We are here to help people understand uh, 
Parkinson's and I guess to, to increase their capacity to probably manage Parkinson's, whether they be a person actually with the condition themselves, um, a carer or another member of the family, or even a healthcare professional who's providing care to somebody living with a condition. Because we believe that the more you understand about condition, the better the outcomes you can get for life. So that's what we do as an organisation and I guess that comes through in, in some main programs around our health information line. So we have a full multidisciplinary team with nurses and OTs and speech pathologists and when you call that line we are able to tailor advice to the individual about um, their own circumstances and that might be about their health condition, it might be about accessing services and supports in the system, it could be anything. In addition to that, we provide education. So we actually run education seminars and we do that in the community for healthcare professionals and people living with Parkinson's. And the last thing that we do that's pretty major is we support peer networks. And we support groups to come together all across Victoria, seven, more than 70 of them. And they're either regionally based or they're activity based. And we support those groups for people with Parkinson's to connect with other people with Parkinson's and their carers. And maybe that's just to meet and have a cup of tea, and maybe that's to participate in some great activity, maybe painting or singing. You're facilitating classes Absolutely. effectively. Yep. And, and I would imagine that a lot of the people that come onto your line and your helpline, if you can call it that, is it called a helpline? Is that what it is? It's, it's an information line. Information line. Mm -hmm. A lot of people coming onto that would be relations, would be relations of the, the sufferer of Parkinson's. Uh, and some of them, I dare say, probably uh, close to wit's end at times when they when they call and get your advice. Yes, and, and we're going to get people at the other end, which, what can I do? What can I proactively do? How can I get involved? And even a person living with Parkinson's saying, how can I help others with Parkinson's on their journey? So That's, uh, that's just excellent. So before we end our talk, I'm going to ask you for some contact details because that will be very helpful for those yes. of our listeners that would be seeking that advice. Is there any government funding that you're getting currently? Look, and we get small amount of um, Department of Health and Human Services funding and have for many years um, from the Victorian government. Um, that money will cease on the 30th of June this year um, and we're trying to work with the government to make sure that we can continue that funding. So there is a political decision that's been made. Um, it's, it's, it's less about Parkinson's Victoria and more about um, I guess how disability supports are provided yes. between the state and federal governments, um, but but we are we are very much a health organisation, so we're working with the with the government to see what we can do in that space to continue to provide critical health service, I guess, to our community. What about the federal scheme that is so talked about? Well, the national disability scheme is is very um, uh, important. Uh, for people living with conditions like Parkinson's. Of course, I, I mentioned before that 20% uh, of people or 80% of people are diagnosed after 60, 65 years of age, which means the majority of people diagnosed with Parkinson's aren't able to access the NDIS. So, um, so yes, conditions like Parkinson's are certainly going to be disabling and that provides access to some supports and services but they're also a health condition which have another stream of services which need to be accessed and I guess that's where we continue to work with the Victorian government to see what the funding will be. On a more direct basis for Parkinson's locally or statewide? 
For, for, for statewide, um, certainly we're looking at what that health funding would be because it is, it is a health condition from, for many people and it is disabling, but it is a health condition and there is ongoing daily health management um, issues and concerns for people living with Parkinson's. I should ask you, what percentage of the population in Victoria have got Parkinson's? Okay, so we, we estimate that there's 27,000 people living with Parkinson's in Victoria. That is a lot of people and not a known, uh, a very well known fact. No, and, and you know the prevalence is quite, is quite high compared to a lot of other conditions. And it's also a progressive, and I mentioned before, a progressive condition. So these, this is a lifelong, from diagnosis, it's a lifelong condition. Emma, how do you go about raising money to support what you're doing with all these services that you provide, your information line and your work around the state? How do you, how do you raise money if the government uh, is not uh, so readily able to do so? You mentioned the end of June. What are you doing to uh, engender support? And we've relied on um, generous supportive community for a long time. And you would know that yourself coming from Glenfree Rotary Club. Yes. We've worked with you for every year that we've run our walk in the park. So we rely on fundraising and we rely on, as I said, generous donors and supporters in our community who, who support us through our annual appeal or support us through our walk in the park, which is our big fundraising event. When is that? Each year. It's in August. So it's the second last Sunday of August. And you can apply online. You can apply online. I'm going to get that address from you, that web address from you, yes, you before will. we finish, because our listeners, I'm sure, would like to do that. That's a healthy way to support it's what you are doing. It's a really healthy way to support what we're doing and 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 to get a great sausage from the Glenferry Road. Of course, we, we are the gourmet <laughs> sausage. We are the, we are the gourmet sausage purveyors uh, on that particular day. You are. Um, just give me that date. Um, it is the second last Sunday of August. Second last Sunday of August. Listeners, please remember that. It's a fabulous day. And I think I've seen uh, Jacobson, uh, what, what? Shane Jacobson, Shane Jacobson yes. leading that band out yeah. from Fed Square, walking around the river. It's just a marvellous day and very healthy. Uh, and uh, it's a great way to support. What, what, are the, what are the other practical ways our, our listeners could help you currently? Look, I think one of the greatest ways... Um, listeners could help would be to let people know that they that that parkinson's victoria is there if they've got a family friend or a member of their family living with parkinson's um, or they know people whose lives are impacted by parkinson's making the connection because reaching out to our organization can be absolutely life-changing i've seen it happen so many times so we would encourage people to to encourage others to reach out to us for support and help uh, the other thing we would ask people to do, and particularly in this area, um, Ian, you know, all of this area, we're located in Surrey Hills, Canterbury Road, Surrey Hills. You could come and volunteer. So you could give us a call and see if there's any volunteering opportunities with Parkinson's Victoria. And I guess the other thing is if you can't do any of those, you could always hop online and make a donation. Which is great. I'm going to talk to you about that address in just a moment. But could people come and offer to drive uh, people around and give them a day out? Is that the sort of thing you might... Uh, have done? I think we've got lots of events where people could probably help us with events. Um, uh, they could certainly help us if they've got some skills they could bring to our office. Um, and uh, But usually it would be an event-based activity that we would get people to help us with. 
Right, now please now give us those details of contact. Okay, so our contact details on the website would be parkinsonsvic.org.au parkinsonsvic.org.au or you can call us on our office number. So if you wanted to talk to us about volunteering, it's 8809-0400. So that's 8809 zero four double zero and that if you want to call our health team on the information line and have a confidential discussion with them about your parkinson's you can do that on one eight hundred six double four one eight nine so that's one eight hundred six double four one eight nine for a confidential discussion yeah and there's somebody here to take that call is it a cl clinician usually? That yes, they get it's always through? a clinician. Right, so that's their skilled advice that can be provided. Well, Emma, thank you. <laughs> You've uh, been fantastic. And thank you so much for joining us on the, on the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show. Really fantastic. It's so good to hear what people are doing in the community, not just going to a job, but actually doing so much for other people in their daily work. Thank you for what you do. And uh, we thank you as a community that you and your staff and you deserve enormous praise and gratitude. And, and listeners, Glen Ferry supports Parkinson's Victoria and uh, really you should too out there in listening land, you should be supporting Parkinson's. So thank you very much for being with us and uh, I've enjoyed immensely speaking to you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was produced and presented by Ian Salick of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. More podcasts can be found on iTunes by typing into your browser Rotary Radio, doing good in Victoria, or alternatively by going to the Rotary District 9800 website at www.rotarydistrict9800.org.au and clicking on Rotary Radio.